Hello, and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. We got a real episode this week, guys. Not a, a real not, episode? Not, not like a 20 minute. Are we minute. even doing those anymore? What, the, the real, real ones? Full episodes? They're just so much work. Let's you want to just, 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 just do a short one? Yeah. All right, we're going to do a short episode yeah, this week. Yeah, about seven minutes. Everybody's getting so angry. <laughs> <laughs> Relax, you can already see the time thing, right? We promised we'll do regular episodes, and here's one for you. So shush. So shush your with mouth. Your, with your comments. <laughs> hey, we hit a thousand iTunes reviews. A thousand? Like yesterday. Trippy. That is true. Just iTunes. I mean, we've had over a thousand reviews, like when you combine Stitcher and all the other stuff. Oh, okay. But like, yeah, just to see that 1K on just iTunes is pretty crazy because that's the podcast app I use. Is that like a landmark? Yeah, I'm one of the elitist Apple people. Oh, okay. <laughs> Deal with elitist. it. The shit works, okay? And it doesn't get viruses. That's why I like Apple products. Viruses? Does anybody get viruses anymore? Yeah, if you got them PCs, you're going to be getting... When's the last time you heard someone your getting a virus? <laughs> why don't you clean your cookies there, <laughs> Clean guy? your cookies. You trying to get a virus in here? <laughs> oh, my God. Right? That's how kids talk to each other. Now. <laughs> I think that's how you avoid getting sick. You can fucking clean your cookies. Clean your cookies. They're tracking that shit, bro. <laughs> Coming in here coughing. Did you even clean your cookies this morning? <laughs> uh, what are we talking about? Uh, we were we were talking about how people were wondering if we're ever going to put out full episodes again. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is one of them right here. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a series. We're starting a series, much like the Freeway Killer series. Right? This idea is brought to us by, uh, what are we calling... Chris Sharp is from a professional standpoint. Like He's now like uh, one of our employees. He's, in a, he's like an ambassador for this podcast. Yeah, but beyond that, he he took on somewhat of a researcher role. Yeah, he has. Um, he he came to us. He's an idea man. That's what we'll call him, Chris Sharp. Okay, over there and in, in, he's uh, he's part. He's the lead of our creative team. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll give him that. Yeah, I'd like to think uh, Pot was the leader of your creative team. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, well he's second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> second in command. Number two, not bad, Chris. Number two behind Mr. Green. Right. Not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Um. Yeah, so he came to us. He sent us a long email about this idea he has for a Hangman series. This is a great idea. Great idea. And the best part is we've already done part one and we didn't even realize it. But we are so ahead of the game. Can't do it, Christie. John <laughs> Reginald Christie <laughs> right. was part one of this Hangman series. He mm-hmm. happened to be killed by an infamous Hangman in, over in uh, Great Britain. Right. And this guy that we're All these cases are going to be in Great Britain. There's three correct? of them. It's a trilogy. The UK. Yeah, so, so Christie, the guy we're doing today, mm-hmm. and someone else that we're going to do... Soon, yeah, will uh, all have been executed by the same man. Hell yeah! And this man had one hell of a life and one hell of a career. One hell of I mean, a his family. Daily, his daily routine, his job, just ah, I gotta go hang some people today. Yeah, babe. <laughs> well, you know, it pays the bills. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't didn't uh, wasn't his whole family like like his dad and wasn't he third or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point, or was yeah. he like a, one of those middle guys? Yeah. So this man was named Albert Pierre Point. Hmm. And he was, yes, part of a family business. His father, Henry, and Uncle Thomas were official hangmen before him. Wow. Now, Pierre Point Point was born March 30th, 1905, and lived up until July of 1992, and executed between 435 and 600 people in a 25-year career of being a hangman. How does he not know? How do you not know how many you participated in? I feel like that's like it's a, a daily thing for it's like but that's a legal document was, though like oh, you can't yeah. go back and find it. I think he probably worked it. Th- I know he worked at several different prisons doing this, so it wasn't like he was at the same place. It was probably like yeah. I think I did like fifty over there, and then like you know seventy five over here. Dude, what do you think the Pierre Point like get-togethers are like? 
when you just get a together. family of killers. Oh, family, family of illegal <laughs> killers. <laughs> like, just a lot of jokes. I feel like, you hey, so? you've been hanging around there, <laughs> Uncle. <laughs> How's it hanging at work? <laughs> right. yeah. You know, there was a lot of stupid, corny jokes about hanging people. You think so? Or yeah. maybe they were just so freaking gloomy. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I feel not. like those people are probably even like yeah, more they're proud. Proud, but I don't know. When you see that on a daily basis, you probably got some levity. Probably pretty funny. You know, they're oh, probably like yeah. pretty positive as soon as you leave work. Okay. You think you did something good, probably. Maybe you, you just really believe in the death penalty. You're like... I would hope so if you killed uh, up to six people. If you people. are a hangman? Yeah, if you're Maybe a hangman. Maybe it pays well, like, though. Maybe it pays well. You know? Oh, it did. It did. I you ever heard the that. saying, I'm a poor man, not a bad man? Yeah. So people have to do things sometimes, man, when they're poor. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, rich, bad people out there. Yeah. Not all of them. No, 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 no. Some of them give back. Yeah. But this guy, he made his bucks hanging people, so... Honest living, I guess. Yeah, up until 1956, when his career finally ended, um, uh, Pierpoint wanted to become a hangman from an early age. He'd taken on an, uh, he'd been taken on as an assistant executioner Aww. in September 1930. That's good on the resume. Yeah, that's a real landmark <laughs> in your career when you first, you're trying when you to get, get a that job first apprenticeship, right? And you just work your way up. Really showed promise what, in the hanging right. business. <laughs> <laughs> he was always good with ropes. Learn those knots right away. Right. Impressive. His first execution was in December that year alongside his Uncle Tom. Oh. Uh, in October of 1941, he undertook his first hanging as a lead executioner. Wow. That, that's, that's, that I bet they were a little like, better than assistant, the lead. You think they were taking pictures? They were totally taking pictures. For sure. The whole family was there. Mom was there. Aunt was there. They're all so proud. During his tenure, he had hanged 200 people who had been convicted of war crimes in Germany and Austria. So war criminals... Uh, so yeah, probably probably eased his conscience quite a bit, huh? Yeah, you. I would hope you know. I'd actually, if I was gonna get executed, I would want a guy like this who's seasoned and done it many times. He's gonna do it right. He's not gonna like. He's gonna have the height. He's gonna have the height of your drop right to where your neck snaps, and you don't. Right, you don't have to suffocate. Yeah, because that can go bad. Yeah, dude, it can you, go bad in multiple ways. You Either got a hangman doesn't know how to use a tape measure. You're fucked, man. Yeah, you got you to get good. the height right because if you go too high and the drop yeah. is too far, they pretty much get decapitated. Oh, um, and if it's not far enough, your neck doesn't snap and you end up basically choking for like five minutes until you die. And you're yeah, just that's rough doing the probably the flop around. Yikes. Everybody do the flop or around. <laughs> he makes it too long and you <laughs> just hit the ground us. and pull it off and you run. Yeah, like huh? Like, what was that? Uh, wasn't that in like Shanghai Noon or something? I'm sure it was some <laughs> Jackie Chan movie. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's just okay. The rope is too long. Yeah. <laughs> I just had a weird image of like a really sick in the head executioner like dancing with the guy who's flopping around on the rope. Oh, wow. I don't know why. That's that like a Tarantino scene in my head. Wow. <laughs> There's some things you say and some things you don't. Yeah, that's one you shouldn't yeah. say, right? It's all right, though. It's already, it's already out Sorry, there. people. We're it's, not cutting it up. It's 9 a.m. and I've had a corona or two. <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> it's really a problem. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> just, just on recording day. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you know, every other day I'm a saint. That's right. Yeah, so uh, this Albert, he did a lot of hanging. He did. And uh, he had a long career, and three of the people that were infamous that he hung were going to do cases on, one of them being Christy today. Right. we've got. Did a, we mention that in the Christy one? We need to go back No, we listen. didn't. We didn't mention him? Oh, we, we mentioned Pierpoint, yeah. Oh, okay. We did mention okay. him, yeah. Okay. And he, Pierpoint actually also executed an innocent man from that case. Remember That's the, right. Yeah. Oh, my God. The one that died yes. because of Christy the guy, oh, was also executed by Pierpoint. That's right. Yeah, that's so, right. So, yeah, this is the Hangman series, part two. Let's get into it. Let's do it.
Hello. Oh, thank you so much. Is it? Is it on? Hello. Hello. Can I have your attention, please? Would you all give a warm welcome for the return of John Reginald and the Wankers? They're back with their new song. You can just call me John Hay. And here they are. tree in the forest was after me Then they started to bleed And begged of me to drink I had a dream You can just call me John Hay They'll never catch me anyway Might say I have peculiar ways But I'm just trying to make it play You can just call me John Hay Never catch me anyway I say I have peculiar ways But I'm just trying to get paid Today Dad had a mark on his face He said he got it when he fell from grace I always knew he was lying Show me the body, I'll show Yeah, I always knew he was lying You can just call me John Hay They'll never catch me anyway Might say I had to kill your ways But I'm just trying to make it clear You can just call me John Hay They'll never catch me anyway Might say I had to kill your ways But I'm just trying to get drunk Thank you guys so much. Uh, fun fact about John Hay, his birthday is July 24th, 1909. And he shares that birthday with uh, Jennifer Lopez and Barry Bonds. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Barry Bonds fans. In there. All right, cool. All right. Good night, everybody. Enjoy the show. All right, so our case this week is a guy that even if we weren't doing something awesome like a Hangman series or a hangman trilogy we yeah. still would do a case like this absolutely this guy's fascinating he's known by one of the better monikers we've had too the acid bath murderer yeah as soon as Sounds i heard scary, that i right? was like i thought breaking bad instantly oh, of course yeah. and, the, and i that, was like man why didn't anybody else do and that? at the like, end of the brilliant. book that we got this week to study is a, it's another uh, jack rosewood book called the acid bath murderer a terrifying true story of one of the worst British serial killers. So get ready for your British accents. But at the end of the book, he talked, he went over a bunch of cases that uh, have happened involving acid. It, it was more, it's more rare because it's right. hard to get a hold of these corrosive acids. 
Yeah, apparently uh, like sulfuric then, acid though, is very hard to get a hold of now. He was he owned a machine shop or something like that, mm-hmm. some sort. Back then, you could right? just get it. Yeah. So he that was the only excuse he needed to, to have get it. barrels it could be like, of to clean. <laughs> yes, sulfuric acid. He was like, yeah. I just need to clean tools and equipment. Right. Right. They're like, and they're oh, like, here oh, you go. Sure. Here's this a truckload of barrels <laughs> used in terrorist attacks. But go ahead and take it because you got a shop. Yeah, you got a shop. But, <laughs> but what I was getting to is that uh, at the end of the book. He, uh, Jack Rosewood goes over uh, a handful of cases that uh, acid were involved after this. Yes, very and interesting. A, many of them in the 2015 range after Breaking Bad yep. uh, had been That's they got that had several idea. scenes throughout that series of Dude, using Breaking corrosive Bad, acid I thought about this before. to melt bodies. Breaking Bad may have been too real. I think it taught people too much. Yeah. It really did. Like it was too realistic. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes is, it was crazy, but but honestly, like as far as the whole underground operations and the way they hid things and made that things, scene where Gus like just walks in, doesn't say a word, slowly puts on that the the suit and the mask, yeah. walks over and just slits the dude's throat and just like drops him in the barrel of the acid. Right? Yeah, it's just like so chilling. I always Unreal. think of that scene first when I think of Breaking Bad. Dude, it's he's always that scene. Stone Cold Killer, right? Man. But Freaking several Gus. people. Uh, were actually influenced by Breaking Bad and used acid to try and dissolve Absolutely, bodies after murdering people. It doesn't work, it doesn't as, work as fast. It doesn't work like Breaking think. Bad shows you. Right. It does not dissolve them to where there's nothing. Like it, it there's always going to be human fat left. There's going to be any hard materials. Gallstones like can gall be left stones, over. dentures. St- yep. We learned all this from this case. Absolutely. It's very interesting how this guy was actually captured in the end. And it was partially because of laziness. I mean, he's dumping this shit in his backyard. Like, you know on. what's strange? It, like, it right di- in the yard of the shop that he was using or whatever. It dissolves your teeth, right? But not your not, but dentures. not dentures. Yeah, so it must be a different material. Interesting. Well, I think because it's weird that it can't dissolve a gallstone. But human it can... teeth are an organic matter, and it would like attack proteins and lipids and stuff. Okay. To get sciency. Oh, you're getting real Bill Nye on. Whereas there. dentures would be made of some kind of poly. Probably plastic type shit. Oh, so and that stuff shitless it's forever. Different. It's different. So like rubber gloves, it's not burning them yeah. because it's like a synthetic material, but like organic it's, material, it would just eat. It's weird how it works. Oh, he explains it at the end of the book That's too. That's a great it's like, point. Actually, one of my favorite Jack Rosewood books. You know, usually it, 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 he added a lot of stuff he didn't need to. In the end, he like really and that's summed so it up. Not really Jack well. Rosewood. Of it him. isn't. Yeah, he usually, usually yeah, tells the story and it's over. Boom. Yep. I think the narrator is very good too. If you yeah, it was want a, the also, uh, audible version, also not the normal guy that Jack Rosewood uses in audio no. form. It was a different guy, and it was yeah. a little easier, very to, easy to listen to. The guy had a little more uh, inflection in his voice. He, he, you know, had a little more intensity when he needed it. And the normal guy he uses has a weird, a weird accent, and I can't quite figure it out. But oh, really? Yeah, the, I can't you remember know, the, the normal other Jack Rosewood. I'd have to go back and guy. listen. Anyways, all right, so let's jump into it. Our case this week: the acid bath murderer is a guy by the name of John George Hay. He's a British man, so mm-hmm. buckle up for British accents. I buckle guess. up, wankers. Buckle up, wankers. <laughs> <laughs> John George Hay, commonly known as the acid bath murderer, was an English serial killer. He was convicted for the murders of six people, although he claimed to have killed nine. He battered or shot his victims to death or used concentrated sulfuric acid to, to dispose of the corpses before forging papers so he could sell the victims' possessions and collect a substantial sum of money. What do you them. what do you think about his claim to have killed nine? I find it very difficult to determine because when he did claim this, it was going for insanity. He was going for insanity, but it's not so crazy where you're like, you know how you have some serial killers where they get convicted of like four murders and they're like, I really did seventy. Right. This guy, he's like, I did nine. I'm like, oh, maybe he, he did. No, see the thing was like the, he. The, 
were you saying that uh, if he killed six, why wouldn't he the could extra have easily three... killed nine? That doesn't seem too but crazy. The thing was, he was trying to prove that there was he was killing not for uh, purely uh, financial reasons, right? Basically, his uh, the the way the court was going to look at it is: uh, is he insane? No, he every killing he did was premeditated, and there was a purpose of getting financial gain from yeah, it. They were people. Of he wealth. was saying that the extra three, he barely knew anything about them, and he got no financial gain out of them. He only killed them because he had this need to kill, mm-hmm. which hence making him insane. Right, because he killed for financial gain, and he also killed not for financial. Okay, but those extra three. That's what I'm leaning towards. I don't but think just he the did. Quantity of it made me second guess. I'm like, that's a he's pretty damn smart. Like that's a good choice. Yeah, he was smart. Yeah. Um, but also got very uh, quite the con man. It takes a special type of person to kill the way he did. Like I feel like he's more ruthless yes. than a lot of serial killers. Like he makes more sense. He's not really a puzzle to me. Right. But he's way more ruthless. Someone who will get to know someone for maybe All months, the while years on he's end, kill them. and he knows he's going to kill them. Yeah. That's that's it's like one of those. Uh, what are, what are those called? Gila monsters or whatever, where they they bite like a big. Uh, one of those big water buffalo on the ankle, and then they just follow it around for like a week, knowing it's going to drop any minute. Yes, staring yeah, at it, and then they all start it. like the, more of them show up, and it's like yeah. they're watching a fucking drive-in movie theater, yeah. just watching this thing stand there, like you're going to fall any minute. I'm going to eat you. <laughs> Super like, <"Hey."> creepy. <laughs> like, hey man, you following that buffalo? Yeah, you yeah. want to follow me? There's plenty for us too, man. Right? <laughs> you can. Show hey, bro, dinner's coming. I promise. <laughs> hey guys. Oh fuck, this guy's got a family. <laughs> <laughs> It's super creepy, man. That's one yeah, of those National is. Geographic shows I'll never forget. It was just watching them sitting in there drooling. I do remember watching that. this Actually, thing stand I, I there. Think you told me about this. Yeah, I remember you telling me about super this. Super creepy. That's very interesting. So this guy's like a human Gila monster. Like, yeah, he is. He would meet them. Oh, we and should make he, some sort of graphic for this week. With the, the deal Gila was, monster. the second he would find out that they had any wealth that he could yeah. attain, that was when it was boom. He knew from that moment. He's like, he meets someone. Are they worth hanging around long enough to find out whether it's worth killing them? Yeah. Okay, you don't got any money. Move on. Find somebody. If you were wearing a fur jacket, he was going to try and be your best friend. He was very, yeah, he would, very uh, charismatic and and like actually not a bad looking guy too. He wanted to really keep up that lifestyle, and I think that's that's really all it was. Because mm-hmm. like once he got a big lump sum of someone's money, he didn't, he wasn't very uh, good with it. Right. He just blew oh, it. Right. No, because he, he yeah, had he this right lifestyle that he had to. He wasn't he trying to, to set himself up for the future and no. like invest. He was right. getting properties from people that like, he could have just kept for himself, but he would sell them for like probably half price. Yeah. Just because he wanted to live a lavish lifestyle and be a big shot. Right. It all came down to. He wasn't very good with money, but in other other way, pretty smart guy. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. John George Hay was born July 24th, 1909 in Stamford, Lincolnshire, and grew up in a village out of Outwood in, New- in Yorkshire. Okay. So we got to channel our, our British accents. I'm wearing a Simon Pegg T-shirt, coincidentally. Oh, perfect. There love you go. love Shaun of the, of the Dead and and uh, World's End, right? And Hot Fuzz. I think I'm. You got red on you. I think you know? I want to go more like Russell Brand this time. All right. I mean, and, the, and I then, think it's a little bit easier to to manipulate the the way that you speak if you if you just if you can envision the words coming out of your mouth. Am I getting closer? Yeah, you are. Oh, if okay. you start talking like yoga and veganism, then I think you'll be there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I always try to. I feel like he doesn't say anything, and you don't that, smell that bad enough. If you're wearing all my be... guy. I imagine he's got stinky pits. He just looks like a guy that wouldn't wash very much. <laughs> I just How don't believe. You? I don't believe in showers. You know? just, when you when you shower, you, you wash you're, off the natural essence of what makes you. You're washing who off, you are, mate. Mate, you're washing off experiences, right. and and memories, experience. and the women those that you fucked smells, the night before. <laughs> those smells. The, 
They're like you're, they're the essence of who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, so yeah, he born <laughs> he grew up in Outwood in Yorkshire. His parents were engineer John Robert Hay and his wife Emily, members of the Plymouth Brethren, a conservative pr- Protestant sect, a Protestant. very Oh, Protestant sect. Well, that came from Protestant, right? Because they protest. They, they protest, protest everything fun. Yes, that's exactly right. These conservative doesn't even scratch the surface of what his parents were. Dude, yeah this this is a tale of a person who was completely just engulfed by <laughs> religion as yes. as a young child. Uh, his parents smothered him with it. Did not allow him to live a real childhood at all. It was mm. com- complete Every- isolation from others and. Every problem with their life, every question he had was answered with religion. Right. Absolutely was. The Plymouth Brethren were also referred to as the peculiar people. That's not good. It's not good when you're the mm-hmm. peculiar people. That's strange. That means you're not like the majority. <laughs> right. You're but peculiar. not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily bad. It's, it's a very kind, it's a very British way of saying, mate, listen, it's not, it's that, we different, don't, right? it's not that we don't like you. You're, you're okay. Just, it's just you're, you're a little peculiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hayes' father built a 10-foot wall around their entire property in order to keep out the outside world. That would make you a bit peculiar. That's a bit peculiar. That's a bit like, excessive. That's uh, You know what? Now that I think about it, that's about the most conservative idea I've heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah that makes you sense. can't get much more conservative than wanting to build a wall around everything. <laughs> right. Everything else is bad. Right. We just, just build need a wall. A, we just need us keep and God, mate. No. <laughs> <laughs> All forms of social entertainment were banned, so the only entertainment Hay had growing up were listening to endless Bible stories. To be fair, yeah. it's not like you had Fortnite back then. How much, what what entertainment was there? Like you could listen to your yeah. favorite radio program on the old radio. You know, ironically, probably other kids who were who didn't grow up to be serial killers were probably like just torturing animals for fun, right? And burning things. He like never a did normal that. To kid. his credit, he was always known to be kind to animals, right? Yeah. He even killed someone and fucking adopted their dog and kept their dog with well, him. <laughs> they're God's creatures. That's the first I've heard of that. <laughs> and how many... Well, we've done over 100 episodes, I think, at this point. You know never that, heard of uh, a killer killing someone and then keeping their he dog. He must have really fell in love with that dog. Must have. That, do- that dog. The way that dog looked at him while he was killing their owner. You know what? That Maybe. dog was like... It's just they locked eyes. You ever you ever go to someone's house and you're just like, eyes. man, they have a great dog. That dog looked at him and said, I'm, I'm glad you killed my <laughs> owner because me and you were meant to be. <laughs> I mean, he said it with his eyes. But, right, right. You know, It was kind of a Son of Sam type thing, probably. Right. Spoke to him. It was probably just Harvey. adorable little black lab. <laughs> Harvey. I swear to God, the next dog I get, I'm naming Harvey. Yes. It's happening. And then to. it's going to tell me to kill people. Right. Oh, great. <laughs> Um, well, we'll never run out of material. Right. Hello, buddy. Yeah. Hayes' father also liked to constantly remind the family that they were being watched by a higher mm. power. Hayes' right. Hayes' only company as a young child were his pets, which he treated with surprisingly loving care. Hay was a well-behaved child, and on the rare occasion that he needed to be punished, his mother would spank him with a hairbrush. Um, and there was a weird part where he later said, and this is probably part of his his insanity defense. Yeah, it was. He, he later told police that when his mother would spank him with his hairbrush, it would draw blood and he would lick the blood from the hairbrush. And she was just hitting him on like on the hand. Dude, you know how hard you'd have to hit someone with a hairbrush? Like one of the ones Wait with the pokey things. Wait, but did the old hairbrushes have those oh, little plastic tips? Those things are lifesavers. Just thinking that. Those little yeah. rounded rubber tips yep, that they have. that go on the end. Maybe that's why they did that. Yeah. Kids were, I bet they, yeah. It probably was just oh, steel. You know what it was? Just, it was probably those uh, like really coarse brushes, like the really thick bristles. It's more mm-hmm. like bristles that are sticking out. 
And those things are like probably sewing needles stuck to a board. That was their hairbrush yeah. back then. Or like nails just hammered through a board. Yes. And you just use the other part. Dude, yeah. It was brutal back then. Yeah. Everybody was tougher. Yeah. So I could see maybe like, I'm buying his story now. He was definitely bleeding from this your old mom's school like, hairbrush. Nails your hand to the table with a hairbrush? Yeah. A nineteen fifteen hairbrush. What does that look like? Yeah. Probably looks Some like kind a, torture of a torture device. Yeah, now. torture device for yeah. sure. Hay claimed the bristles of the brush would draw blood, and after his mother was done, he would lick the wound clean. Oh, the wound, not the hairbrush. <laughs> no, 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 not the hair. Oh, God. <laughs> dude, Stupid. I just imagine licking a hairbrush. Oh, my God. <laughs> the bloody dude. one. He claimed, he claimed this, was his, uh, this was his alleged taste for blood came from, was from licking the wound clean. What? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, that's all he had, though. You know, that's because that probably did happen. They once. didn't have band aids either. You and think? so he had, no, they didn't have band aids, man. They, they wrapped it up with like some sort of cotton cloth. Better throw some duct tape on that yeah. shit. <laughs> Did they have duct tape? Uh, probably. Duct tape's been around. I mean, that's like Has cavemen had it, right? Dude, I don't know. I might cavemen definitely bundled their sticks with duct tape. Oh, my God. For sure. All right. Hay claimed later in his life that he suffered from recur- reoccurring religious nightmares in his childhood. Despite these limitations, he developed great proficiency at the piano, which he learned at home. He was prolific at playing piano from the way it sounded. Like even like didn't he get offered... Uh, scholarships for his his musical abilities yeah he did um he was fond of classical music and often went to concerts concerts featuring music by felix mendelssohn johann sebastian bach antonio vivaldi vivaldi nice tchaikovsky i believe and many others i've heard of some of them that means yeah. they're damn good at piano if i've heard you've them, heard of sebastian bach yeah yeah man i've heard <laughs> Dude, of them. you should have yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh by the way duct tape was invented in 1942 yeah after so they, the cavemans discovered it and then it got Covered up, you know, right somewhere along tape the lines. It's a loose word, you know what I mean. And it then in 1942, they dug it up and they found some antique duct tape. And they're like, damn, this is a good idea. Oh, you think so? The, yeah. They were like, I think we're gonna. The more you know, right? <laughs> 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 it's the stuff you learn on True Crime Guys podcast, right? <laughs> all right, it's we all gotta top, stop being silly. It's all top-notch knowledge to the people that that want us to stay. Yeah, Lauren wants Lauren wants to appease the boring people, apparently. The factual well, just, people. Listen, if they want to know the facts, get the damn Jack Rosewood book, you know? We're being so silly that you can't even follow the story at this point. I can... I, We've yeah, gone over right. the history no of duct tape, uh-huh. um, executioners dancing while their body of the person being executed <laughs> is flopping around. It's, oh, it's, yeah, we it's been a broad track. spectrum. It has. Hay eventually won a scholarship to Queen Elizabeth Grammar School in Wakefield. He then won another scholarship to Wakefield Cathedral where he became a choir boy. This is the, also the first instance of us doing a serial killer who was once a choir boy, is which it? is the antithesis of a serial killer. If you had to say, like, what's the opposite of a serial killer? I would say a choir boy. This yeah. guy was both. Both. Wow. Who and, else can and say an that? evil one, too. Who else can say an they were once killer. a choir boy, not, became a serial killer? Not that it's any better, but he wasn't a serial killer with a sexual compulsion. He was just a serial killer that was just straight evil. And wanted to kill and steal. Yeah, like a Literally machine. just kill and steal over yeah. and over again. Yeah. That's like the top one and two commandments, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah, wow. you're right. This guy. Check some boxes, bro. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he's no puzzle, but god damn, he's evil. Right. After school, he became an apprentice at a motor engineer firm. Uh, so basically, he became a mechanic. While he loved cars, he had an intense dislike for dirt. And after a year, he left the job. It was said that like... While working at the job, he was completely like gloves, face mask, everything. Like you imagine a mechanic oh, who's just he's afraid of boy. grease. He's the, like that's part of the job. Right. If you're a mechanic, it's like the guy you washing get, his hands after every oil change. That's Come the on. worst job if you don't like being dirty. No, yeah, you can't. You're do gonna it. the grease never comes off if Dude. you do it every day. 
I worked I in an auto shop for three years. My fingernails were always black. Yeah, you always. Cha- I changed my oil, it and up. it takes a week or two to get my hands back to where they were. Yep. Like, yeah, like you said, it gets under the fingernails, and yep. you just even you wash and wash, and it still smells like oil. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, not for him. No. At age 21, he was fired after being suspected of stealing from a cash box. Um, that was at his next job in an insurance and advertising firm. So. But he started to learn higher finance, yep. and that helped him later on to try and scam people. He, be, he became one of the earlier scammers. On July 6, 1934, Hay married 23-year-old Beatrice Betty Hammer. Unfortunately, their marriage would not last long, and that's partially because they never got married in the first place. They just met each other, and it was just passionate, and then the they just got... The book kind of glanced over this. It both it made me feel like she was very hesitant, but I guess he was just so persuasive. He was. He, he was charismatic and, and good-looking at this time, and yeah. that's, that's a lot of times he would swindle in, people. In every, almost every picture, that dude's looking dapper as hell. Yeah, he's, he's got a vibe. Yeah. He's always well-dressed, yeah. and interesting part, after he was executed, they wanted to put like a clay version of his body or whatever. Uh-huh. They actually molded his face before he was killed. I didn't want to forget this later on. Okay. But they asked him if they could do that before he was executed so that they could recreate him in like a clay fashion or whatever. And he was like all about it. And then he like told them, you better have my hair parted this direction. Oh, my God. You better have my fucking suit pressed What are you going to do about it, bro? (laughs) (laughs) So if you really want to capture my essence, my clothes have to be perfect. My hair's got to be parted right at 13 degrees. He's going to be a statue that everybody pisses behind or some shit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Seriously. He's got like gum stuck to his right. hair. <laughs> pigeons are, pigeons are shitting on his yeah, shoulders. Yeah, let's only hope. <laughs> um, Hay proposed to Betty after a whirlwind courtship and the two had not known each other for very long. Betty had second thoughts and was concerned um, Hay was not the person that she thought he was. But for whatever reason, she went ahead with the marriage. <sighs> Come on, women. Follow your intuition, right? Right. Yeah. If you got a weird vibe about it, dude, you're yeah, probably right. Probably right. Probably right. After the wedding, John and Betty moved into his parents' house. John, that's a good idea. Move into your super... Uh, yeah. Crazy religious Conservative. Family. Yeah. Yeah. Over family. the top with fucking prison walls around their house to keep the outside world out. Right. Completely throw your, Move brand your new, new wife, wife in there. That's going to be that fun. That barely knows you into a completely different environment. Right. Oh, we didn't talk about the mark on his dad's head. That's a big part of this case. Oh, my God. So yeah. from the time that John was a child, he was convinced. This is when he was a young, you know, very... Uh, What's the word? Influential. Yeah, Yeah. easily influenced and everything. And his father is telling him, you know, he sees this, his father has, I don't know if it's a birthmark or some kind of a Yeah, it's probably just a burn. He has something on his head. Or he got burnt. On his forehead. Um, It's not... It's not uh, sightly. It's it's it's, it's an ugly mark. It's on a skin head. discoloration, pretty much of some sort. Yeah. Regardless of whether it was caused by a chemical or a birthmark or whatever. Yeah, he has he has a mark on his head, and his right. father convinced him that this was the mark of of uh, sinning, essentially. Like his father had done some <laughs> the bad mark things. Mark of Cain. Yeah, his father had <laughs> done some bad things as a child, and yeah. he got that mark for it. And his mother was saintly; she had no marks. That's because she lived a clean lifestyle or whatever. And so they were basically trying to convince him that if he did anything bad, he was going to get a mark Dude, like his that father. that is so damn manipulative. Like, you want to better be a good person. You want one of these ugly marks on your face? Right. Everyone will know that you're not a good person. Although the turning point was when young John couldn't help himself and did some bad stuff. Didn't get the mark. Didn't get any marks. Still looked dapper as hell. Still looked dapper <laughs> he as hell. Like, he's like, you well, know what? Shit. I'm thinking this is some bullshit. Well, shit, mate. I think I might be okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite Australian. Like, ah, damn it. I think I'm going to go kill fucking yeah, crocodile. Like, yeah, go there. <laughs> yeah, I got way too Australian. Like, damn it. I had it going good earlier. It, well, you dro- tap into your Russell Brand. Uh, tap into your Russell Brand. What would Russell Brand say I about this mark on his head? Now I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> All right, it's gone. I think we make our own marks in the world, mate. 
<laughs> I think that's what we do. It's the marks aren't given to us. They're not it's given not an upon actual your brow. physical mark. It's no. a metaphysical it's a, type it's, of It's a mark that only people on the same level as you can see, mate. Right. Yeah. That's deep, bro. That's deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> John decided to strike out on his own and started a business. Unfortunately, his business involved in uh, evolved into forging documents for vehicles and he was soon caught. So he started wow. this young business. I can't believe they even cared about that. How many vehicles did they have? Like three? Right. They're going to be forging documents on these things. <laughs> right. The ones with bicycle tires. Right. <laughs> How many cars Lawnmower did they have at that time? Um, Hay was arrested for fraud and sentenced to 15, 15 months in October 1934. By November, Betty had left him. So he's locked up for forgery yeah. and... and uh, Betty was like, okay, yeah, I was right. Let me get out of here. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That weird feeling I had about you? It turns yeah. out that I should have went, went with that. Should have went with that. Um, problem was, by the time she left him, she was already pregnant with his child. Um, when Hay was arrested, Begney, uh, Betty had been pregnant, and she ended up giving birth while he was in prison. After giving birth, she decided to give the child up for adoption, which might have been a good decision, actually. Yeah, his family hated that shit, though. Yes, oh well, God. his yeah, his super religious family was yeah. not I mean, happy about that. I mean, that. they don't like the fact he's in prison or killing people or robbing. or <laughs> They don't yeah. like any of that stuff either. But, man, but, they wanted a new baby like, to indoctrinate uh, with their seriously, super religious Seriously, another beliefs. chance. Let's wash him in the blood. Right. The first one turned out so well with our upbringing. Let's see what we right. can do with the Let's second see. one. <laughs> he was just a bad <laughs> Can we get a redo? That's the, the kid's <laughs> name's redo. <laughs> <laughs> Following these events, his conservative family ostracized him for the rest of his life. He was also shunned by the brethren. Oh, not the brethren. Oh, come on. My favorite place to go. Right. Not the peculiar kind or the, the peculiar brethren over there. They're all upset about me right. and my decisions. John was shocked that he was ostracized and his mother was convinced that everyone turning their back on John was going to affect him later in life. Um, <laughs> Hay would then move to London in 1936 and become a chauffeur to William McSwan, a wealthy owner of amusement arcades. Well, that's not what I thought it was at all. William McSwan sounds like... I don't know. It sounds like a law firm or Sounds something. like a dude that would have money, though. Definitely McSwan. McSwan. Yeah, that guy's McSwan. flying first class. I'd like for to sure. change my name to McSwan. <laughs> you know, somebody did. They weren't McSwans. That's they weren't McSwans that were like shoe cobblers or blacksmiths. No, right. they freaking, one of them made it and they were like, forget that petty surname. Right. <laughs> I would like to change it to McSwan. <laughs> definitely something yeah. that, yeah, it wasn't a birth name. McSwan, right. definitely. <laughs> Somebody changed their name to Mick Swan. They had to have. And then they had like a family crest with a swan on it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used to call me the ugly duckling. Who's laughing now? Yeah, well, this Mick Swan, William, was a wealthy owner of amusement arcades. Hay also did the maintenance on Mick uh, Swan's amusement machines. John and William eventually became good friends, and William introduced John to his parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so John gets out of prison. Wait, are they dating now? What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you said, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you, let me, I gotta That's the way the book said it, too. I was just like, damn. I was like, but then I thought he would totally go to that extent to kill somebody for money. He would totally. Yeah, I go, really, I think he would. He would pose as a gay and person. And guess what? It worked out because he ended up uh, getting their money, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, so this, this, this uh, William McSwan liked John so much. And I'm guessing John didn't tell him about his uh, prison stints. I doubt it. Because um, McSwan had hired him in, to work for his business. Yeah, you're supposed to uh, exploit that information, you know, right? You're yeah. supposed to give that information. Yeah, up. that's part of your resume. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. But worst case scenario, you get fired, though. They couldn't you know, really, it's kind of worth the shot. They also couldn't just pull you up on Google and look up your criminal record back then either. Can you get... You pretty yeah, much had to true. go with what you said, like, 
whatever your background was. They're like, not going to go to the police department and be like, hey, have you heard anything on this, this guy here? If you lie on a resume, you don't get arrested, right? No. You just get fired. You don't get hired. So here's... You don't get hired. You don't even get fired. You just don't get hired. Well, if they find out. Oh, if they find but out. But most people who lie on a resume, they do it because they know they're going to get hired. And then they yeah. find out later, then they get fired. It's like, well, shit, I would never have the job at all if I was told the truth. Right. So it's not a very good, it's not a very good technique. It's not a very good technique, Mike. <laughs> You're not living your, your life right, It's not Mike. very good, Mike. <laughs> <clears throat> so William McSwan takes uh, old John back to see his parents. And right away, McSwan's parents are, are loving this guy. Um, they even promoted him to the role of manager in a short, short amount of time. However, after about a year, Hay left the McSwan's employee and struck out on his own. He basically just didn't like working for people. And that's what this whole case kind of comes that. down to. Nobody fucking does, bro. He was always... <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but he took it to an extreme. Like he, yeah, This he guy did. really did not work like working a nine to five. Mm-mm. He would do it impressively for a little while. And I think it was for that, for that exact motive to impress his boss and hopefully get another opportunity or whatever. Oh, absolutely. And he, he was known as a good employee for the places that he did work, but it never lasted long because he just was not that kind of guy that was going to stick well, around. He's always looking for the next scam. He's looking to make easy money yeah. that he doesn't have to work for. He, did, he, he right. did not like being on the payroll there. No, no, no. Well, he saw a person who was wealthy and he was able to get close to easily. Yeah. And he just did what he had to do, just like in every situation. Whatever yeah. it was to get close to these people, he was a chameleon, man. He would figure out a way to blend in. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind the McSwans because they're going to pop back up in this story. But as for now, he leaves working for them and goes off to be his own boss, which was John the Solicitor. <laughs> Next. <laughs> no soliciting, please. Yeah. Uh, Hayes set up an office, pretended to be a solicitor, um, slash lawyer named William Cato Adamson with offices in Chancery Lane, London, Guildford, Surrey, and Hastings and Sussex. So is, I'm sure I butchered half those British old dude. This is like something to be your uh, own, uh, pretended to be a lawyer. Yeah, like Frank Abagnale. Oh yeah, catch me if you can. Yeah, he was a great con man. Yeah, but this guy was way ahead of him. He was yeah. like making fake businesses pretty much. Yeah. Like I saw an article from Vice where a guy made like a fake festival and shit. Oh, no, there's a documentary on the fake festival. Oh, I love that. that. The Fire Festival? Yeah. Did you watch that on no, Netflix? <laughs> Dude, on Netflix. I just read about it. it. You yeah, should watch it. It's yeah. fascinating. It's fascinating seeing that whole thing fall apart Yeah, his, with his lofty goals. He just wanted that immediate credit. It, it for, was so much easier to do that back then. It was such wasn't a it? Because you could, because people couldn't just Google and see like, oh, yeah. does he really have a branch in uh, Chapman or whatever? Dude, that documentary was, was comical. Like it was a comedy to me. I was laughing. I was just laughing at that guy so hard. The, the more it got out of hand yeah. and he was just trying to like act like it was no big deal. It's still going to happen somehow. It's like, dude, there's no way. Every sign points to this thing being a shit show. Right. And he's just ignoring like the complete evidence right in front of him. Like, no, dude. No. It's okay. gonna be great. Fake just keep working. Just it, keep dude. working. Fake it till you make it, dude. <laughs> he was, yeah. And it well, worked. he got exposed. Yeah, when it came down to it. Yeah. Oh man, that's worked for a little while though. Didn't it? Yeah. Didn't he make a lot of money? But he had to give it back. Oh or yeah, he got he got locked up for that shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was a shit show. Wow. A lot of people. Uh, it, also, the people that just went ahead and spent thousands of dollars for like VIP shit and didn't really yeah. look into it more at all. They're just like they had to be a part of it. They oh, ended yeah. up having a terrible week that week. Power of social media, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. Not sure if they're going to get a a plane ride home or if they were just stuck on this island and everything. Yeah. Crazy. Everybody needs to watch social media very closely for like politics and everything because it's already telling you what's going to happen. Things are not always what they seem with people. 
Yeah, so he's got this scam going where he pretends to be a lawyer and he's selling fraudulent stock shares allegedly from the estates of the deceased clients that he had at below market rates. So he's giving these people a fantastic deal on stock shares. Right. They think that they have no way of researching. And of course, he would have them easy back then. And of course, he would have them pay for these up front. Of course. Um, He would cash their checks and then move on. That was his (laughs) whole plan. It was like, I know I can't stick around here, so I'm going to move to another area. Cash me check if you can. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But this this scam can only go so long before you've burned every little town you go into. You do this to people, and then you just get people following you. Right. That's why you got to get rid of the people. That's the problem. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he comes to find out, Michael. That's brilliant foresight. Oh, okay. Thank you. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, Because they would eventually come knocking, asking about their shares, John moved his office several times. His scam was eventually uncovered by someone who noticed he had misspelled Guilford as Guilford. Guilford as Guilford? On his letterhead. Common misconception. (laughs) Yeah. An unlikely mistake from an educated solicitor. John was once again arrested and back in court on fraud charges. Damn, over the spelling? Okay, maybe uh, maybe I underestimated these peeps back then. Well, it was just a matter of time. He was going to get caught. He's just taking all these checks, cashing yeah, them, giving nothing back. Yeah, but who would look at that and go like, hmm, this spelling's weird. I better call the police. I would just don't fucking throw it away. I'd just be like, whatever. Yeah, so he... Some was, real determined citizens there. Basically, all he did, the mistake he made was removing the D from Guildford, oh, and he put Guildford crucial. on his letterhead. <sighs> Rookie mistake, right? I mean, if you were a true lawyer named Guildford, you wouldn't mis- misspell your own name, would you? Oh, it was his own name? Yeah, Guildford. Oh, I thought it was one of the client shares names or whatever that he was selling. No, it was on his letterhead. Oh, damn, on the letterhead. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Unlikely, that's a rookie mistake, oh, bro. Oh, slight little mistake there, mate. Yeah. Don't have to worry about it too much. John was once again arrested and back in court on fraud charges. Hay received a four-year prison sentence for fraud. It's basically like they're looking at like his history now, and they're going, yeah. dude, this is what you do. We let you out, and then you go right back to fraud. And right. He would be released just after the start of the Second World War. He continued his plan of income by fraud and was sentenced to several further terms of imprisonment. And while behind bars, this is when he starts to really think, well, how can I stop getting caught for, for right. like stealing people's shit? I'll say, uh, maybe people, if people they keep w- telling on me, mate, maybe if what they, could shut them up? Maybe <laughs> death. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just blew my own mind. <laughs> I could use a, a, a massive amount of duct tape if it were invented, but I think killing them would be much, much easier. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Oh, man, I just had this image of... Uh, what do they call them? Archaeologists? They're like yeah. digging deep and then they start, they get the little <laughs> dusting thing that looks like what people powder, like women powder their cheeks right. with. They start dusting and then all of a sudden it's like a roll of duct tape. Whoa. <laughs> and like a piece of it's pulled back and their brush sticks to it and they can't get it off. <laughs> they're like, this is incredible. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> they're just slinging it around with their brush. Material. I've never Whoa. experienced it before in my life. Such adhesion. <laughs> Oh, and then the next thing you know, they're using duct tape wallets and it's just out of control. (laughs) Duct tape prom dresses and shit. (laughs) Uh, Hay eventually came to realize that his repeated arrest stemmed from leaving his victims alive to report the crime. Yeah, that's that's what was happening for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And also all behind bars, thinking about that, he became intrigued by the crimes of French murderer George Alexander Sarrett who in 1925 had disposed of his victims' bodies by using sulfuric acid, um, also mm. popularized in Breaking Bad. I believe that's the acid he was using, right? Sulfuric acid I or something so. along those lines. Yeah. A, you know, a very um, acidic, uh, caustic soda Dissolving. type of super 
yeah, intense yeah. chemical that just fucking melts everything. Dude, you nailed it. Yeah, bro. Bro science. <laughs> Hashtag. While in prison, Hay formulated his plan to dispose of the body of murder victims by dissolving them in acid. He experimented with field mice and found that it only took 30 minutes for the full body of a mouse to dissolve. So he then said, He's saying end. only, and I'm like, damn, that's a long time, dude. 30 we are a lot bigger than a mouse. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not saying it's going to take 30 minutes for a human, but no, I you know, know that. a few days. But I would be doing the math, which I'm sure he was, and was like, oh, shit, that's a long fucking time. Right. I just find it interesting that he was able to do these experiments while in prison. He's like in the workshop, like melting mice over yeah, there. Why are they, they giving don't... prisoners sulfuric acid? <laughs> Wait a minute. This is a huge hole in I this story. I just think chemicals were taken lightly back in the 40s. It was just like... What, he wasn't using concentrated 409? Be careful with that like... shit over there. It'll melt your body. <laughs> <laughs> don't... Oh, really? Oh, really? your body. So are you going in rice? rats on here? <laughs> yeah. You just gave me an idea, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're going Charles Bronson. <laughs> hey, do what you got to do. You just got me an idea, mate. <laughs> Charles Bronson actually ended up in the prison that this guy ended up in. That's as right. Well. That's right. So, with the suck most, on that. The most uh, violent, right? Yeah. Only Britain's most violent ended up in there. Uh, so let's get into the acid bath murders. Hay was freed from prison in 1943 and became an accountant with an engineering firm. I love how he keeps getting arrested for fraud and he gets a job as an accountant Seriously. for an engineering firm. You I know mean, he's, he's lying on that fucking he's obviously, resume. Yeah, he's obviously lying. For sure, like vast experience and working numbers. And you're you also know. forgetting that he like, parts his hair to the left, so he's pretty fucking amazing. Right. He's an amazing guy. I just picture him laughing while he's, he's writing dapper. his resume. Like, mm-hmm. like as a like vast number with a vast, vast... Uh, history with numbers and yeah you can say anything experience ripping people there was, off there Wait, was no scratches uh, that out then writes <laughs> there was no what is it linkedin there's no linkedin back then you couldn't like look at somebody's whole fucking facebook profile attached to their work resume right you can't look people up it's whatever you said was right. it you know and he probably could prove to them he was good not good with numbers they probably gave him a few math questions and shit <laughs> i could yeah. rip you off for this much you think so they give him a little math quiz before yeah. Yeah, Soon after, by chance, he bumped into his former employer, McSwan. Mm, McSwan. He saw Perfect. that big, yeah, he saw that big crest on the back of his jacket sitting That's at the bar right. with the swan on it. He started seeing dollar signs. McSwan. <laughs> it's McSwan. <laughs> cha-ching, cha-ching. Uh, they were at the... Shut up, Charlie. <laughs> You're not getting in on this morning. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, this was at the Goat Pub in Kensington where he ran into him. Um, mm. McSwan took Hay home to visit his parents yet again. Okay, Mommy's back. Hey, My look. old fling's back. <laughs> he hasn't been in prison or anything. Right. He's just been doing honest work. Yeah. They were thrilled to see John and made the mistake of telling him all about the new property investments that they had just made. Oh, jeez. That is a mistake. I don't think they, I think they probably told everyone that kind of stuff. Yeah. The name like McSwan. McSwan, they're braggers. <laughs> they're for braggers. sure, the McSwans talk about their Y'all finances. Y'all are braggers, McSwans. William then worked for them by collecting rents on the London properties, and Hay became envious of his lifestyle. On September 6, 1944, William McSwan disappeared. Oh, shit. Um, Hay later admitted to hitting him over the head after luring him into a basement at 79 Gloucester Road in London. According to Hay's diary, he then slit McSwan's throat for good measure, filled the cup with the man's blood, and drank it. Bullshit. Some, bullshit. Uh, All some, that's bullshit. Some, some vampirism in here. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that was the diary was yeah. tr- truly di- a def- uh, a means of him trying to defend yep. himself as the, far the, as insanity. The whole diary was just a just in case I get caught, 
I'm going to look fucking insane. I feel like he wrote it after he was already locked up and then like had it mailed back to I think he was writing it because I think part of it was he needed to get it out. Yeah. Because imagine doing that kind of stuff and not telling anybody. Yeah. You got to get it out. That's true. So you would get it out. And then also he's like, this is a perfect defense. You're making up all this stuff, making up these drinking, the blood. drinking of the blood part and all that stuff is, is perfect for insanity. And yeah. if it's been here all along, you know, you can kind of tell how old, yeah. you know, writings are and things like that. I feel that. like if you're like truly, uh, sexual sadist with the blood thing where mm-hmm. you you know you, you can't help yourself and you have to have blood you're going to be like the vampire Dusseldorf like that episode we did where you like stab people in public and start drinking their blood like that's going to be yeah. true <laughs> like you're true vampire yeah that's that that by definition right there yeah that's a vampire yeah yep. like you're not like setting them up to get financial gain for months like hanging around like right and then like you know what I'll also drink your blood though yeah I have a little taste. You know, I, I want, don't, don't get me wrong. I want your properties and your right. jewelry, but also your blood's looking pretty good. Right. You don't want it to go to waste. It's all warm, pouring. It's like, yeah, yeah. I got to have some. Yeah. Blood would be a great consistency He's, for like a, a, like a slushy. You think so? Yeah. If you poured blood over ice and it was cold. A blood icy? Yeah. Because you're like, you ever seen the the, the, the syrup that they put it in icy? Yeah. It's, it's very That's why they like use if it corn syrup. On the floor, it they use like, corn syrup for horror movies. That's right. For that reason. It's well, oh, syrup. yeah. Well, there you go. That might be why I'm drawing these. So if you want an irony tasting snow cone, come mm-hmm. to Michael. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you were talking about an excuse for dancing with dead bodies, so true or half dead bodies. Yeah, we just find it hard to stay on track with this case for yeah, some what's reason. What's going on? Hey, then put McSwan's body into a 40 gallon drum and poured concentrated sulfuric acid into it. Two days later, he returned to find that the body had become sludge, which he poured down a manhole. Now this is about as far as uh, as he went to dispose of the sludge that he would acquire from the, putting the bodies in sulfuric acid. Right. He got very cocky and just started pouring it like in the property. He felt very Out in the yard, man. like, eh, this will work. Right. Everybody has toxic, toxic sludge in their yard, right? That's got like <laughs> pieces of body in it. Yes, gallstones no in it. Yeah. Yeah, everybody does. No big deal. Yeah. Don't mind. Don't trip over the dentures on your way in. Dude, I think it was just a pride thing. I think it was like, even if somebody found it, there's no way they would it tie was it to him. ego thing. Yeah. He became ultra confident when he didn't cop, get caught for the first couple murders right. and he was living off the money of the victim. What's up, creepers? Let me tell you about a little company we've been working with called HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy HelloFresh makes conquering the kitchen a reality with delicious, simple recipes. HelloFresh does all the meal planning, shopping, and prepping, so you can focus on a healthier you and a happier family. Cooking is really just more enjoyable and easy with HelloFresh. Fresh pre-measured ingredients and easy-to-follow six-step picture recipe cards are delivered to your door each week in a special insulated box. Spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping so you can get that time back to do more of what you love. All meals come together in less than 30 minutes, call for less than two pots and pans, and require minimal cleanup. Make family dinners fuss-free with HelloFresh's picky eater, kid-tested, and approved family plan recipes. Help make deliciousness part of your every week with three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family, with the option to switch between for when your taste change. Enjoy fun menu features with HelloFresh's dinner to lunch, 20-minute meals, gourmet, and one-pot wonders, among more. Get out of that recipe rut and start cooking outside of your comfort zone by discovering new, delicious recipes. Happy to report that I've actually been able to try out HelloFresh for you guys, and it really is delicious and easy to make these meals. Uh, So far, my favorite meal has been the chicken cheddar fajitas with bell pepper, lime crema, and pickled jalapeno. Delicious. For $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash Creeper80 and enter promo code Creeper80. That's 
hellofresh.com slash creeper80 and enter the promo code creeper80. Carrying out his plan and finding it successful was euphoric for John, but he wasn't done yet. Now he had to get the money. That was the whole goal of the plan to begin with. He told McSwan's parents that their son had gone into hiding in Scotland to avoid being called up for military service. Oh, told him. That's a stretch, right? Told his right? parents that he was a draft doctor. And his parents too? wouldn't say, like, he wouldn't say bye to his parents. Like, McSwan was close with his parents. He brought his new boyfriends home every time. <laughs> 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 they were obviously very supportive. Yes. <laughs> Good uh, for them. Yes, but he he just that just doesn't make sense, right? You just no. take off to avoid military service, and but you don't even say bye to your parents God, that you're you, close to. You kill a man, you take his money, and then you tell his parents that he was a shitty person. And even still, the parents <laughs> are like, "But I still like this John character." <laughs> John, this, like, thank God you're here to deliver the news. Yeah, John. thank God you're here to lie about my son's disappearance. <laughs> Such a nice guy. This ruse went on for almost a year, and Haywin is so far as to send McSwan's letters to uh, McSwan's letters from William. So wow. he's sending letters in their son's handwriting. How? That's what I was just He must have gotten a hold of some of William's writings, and he was very good at forging shit, obviously, wow. from his background. That's impressive. Well, he's got money to float him now, so he's got a lot of free time to do shit like that, I would think. Yeah. John then took over the McSwan's house and began collecting the rents for his parents. Uh, he also wanted the money from the properties, however. So he's collecting rent. He's working for them, collecting the rent like his right. son, like their son used to do. Right. Like the son um, they used to could count on. Yeah. But being paid to collect the rents isn't enough. Mm-hmm. He would rather just get the rent money from all the people. Right. Just keep that. Just cut the middleman. Yeah. Why yeah. Why not just get more money? Right. That's how he looked at things. Absolutely. Why I not mean, raise the rent? Fuck who I have to kill or step on or whatever yeah. or laws I have to break. It's all about money. Hair, more money is better. Hair gel ain't cheap, dude. Yeah, dude. Like keeping this suit right. pressed. I'm not dude. doing it. I got to right. pay somebody to do that. Exactly. And I'm going to stay at high-priced hotels every night because why not? Yeah, it's always good when you break down a person and it just makes sense, you know? Yeah. It just makes sense. Donald and Amy eventually became curious as to why their son had not returned as the war was coming to an end. On July 2nd, 1945, Hay lured them into a Glock, uh, lured them to Gloucester Road by telling them that their son was back from Scotland for a surprise visit. Oh. Once they arrived, Hay murdered them in his basement with blows to the head and disposed of them. He slit their throats and supposedly drank their blood as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and also put their bodies in barrels of acid that he had waiting for them. Right. Also pretty creepy that he's actually got like two barrels down there with acid ready for them, you know. Why is that creepy? It's just the, the premeditation is just... Well, that's obvious. There's a certain though. level of it. I know, but when it's like the barrels are there, it's like one of them might as well have their name on them. That's just creepy to me. You know, that right? is creepy. But they wouldn't assume, oh, there's two barrels. There's two of us. I know that. <laughs> from, I'm talking about... It's okay. creepy that just he did because that. Because you're, as an outsider, you're you're watching this like a movie and you're like, oh, yeah. that's creepy. Look at those two barrels sitting there in the dark moonlight. Just imagining being him, setting out the two barrels like it's Christmas Eve, like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, I'm going to kill these them two off the hand truck. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just having them, I just imagine his dark, dimly lit basement with two barrels oh, halfway dude, filled definitely. with acid just waiting for the victims to come. And they're just lightly sizzling. This is why I say he's like the... Was it the Komodo dragon or whatever? Human Komodo dragon? Yeah. The preparation that he put into place, and it's all just for financial gain. You said something monster. It's like a... Oh, Gila monster, He's yeah. the monster. Gila monster. Yeah. I could be wrong on both of these. I'm pretty sure the Gila monster is the one with the super venomous fangs where they just have to like barely bite you and you're Dude. screwed like a week later. They have to be to get a name like that. Right? 
It's a badass name. When you got monster in your name, Komodo Dragon's pretty badass too. It says though. what it needs to say, right? You literally part yeah. of your name is monster. Literally, the scientists like, like even no. sharks don't have that. A it's, shark it's should just be shark a monster. monster but... Should we name him something more scientific? I mean, we could, but we really want but people to know this. this is a fucking monster look at right this here. Fucking thing. It's literally got venom <laughs> like, dripping from its fangs as it right? stares at its victim that it bit a week right? ago. I could just see him like jumping up against the lab glass, just licking it with their right. venomous tongue. Yeah, dude, they are. Yeah, it's definitely a monster, bro. Truly monsters. Um. Hay stole William McSwan's pension checks and sold the family's property, stealing about 8,000 pounds, which uh, at the time was 10,800. Oh, that's 8,000 euros at the time, 10,800 pounds, over $150,000 in today's money. Right. It's 10,800 at the time in U.S. dollars. Just yeah, a, we don't stand, we don't understand British currency all that well. So, well, bear is, with us. Theirs is worth more than ours. So it was like 8,000 euros would have been 10,000 money. And it's still, I think it's it still pretty close to that same ratio now. The, the brand. It doesn't mean we're better than you, mate. You know, it just means. <laughs> it doesn't mean that our dollars are worth more than your dollars. It's just. I mean, technically We have it a does, more balanced but, economy, mate. When your money is worth more, it's, it's, it's just better. You have to you understand know? the history. You don't have to carry around a bigger pocket of money, you see. And you can buy the same amount of materials. Right. But I don't do materials. <laughs> I had to add that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I do expect to be paid after this interview's conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do as good. I just need to like feed yeah. lines to you to say. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Hay was a gambler and again running short on money by the summer of 1947, even after collecting $150,000 in today's US money equivalency. Right. So that's that's a good payday. That's like uh dude, 150 for grand. For most people, that's two or three years worth of work. If you make really good money, then maybe you make that in a year, but that's yeah. that's that's a lot of money. Yeah, I would say middle America. Especially yeah, when they, you're a, a loner. When you're a loner, you know, you're just kind of staying in the hotels and shit, but man, mm-hmm. he burned through some money fast. Hell yeah. He must have been living high on the hog. Um, to solve his financial trou- troubles after he started running low on the last victim's money, he found another couple to kill and rob, Dr. Archibald Henderson and his wife Rose whom he murdered after feigning interest in the house they were selling. So, Savage. Yeah, so any inn he could get, he would tell them what they wanted to hear. Yep. He was invited to the Henderson's flat by Rose to play the piano for their housewarming party. Which he could do. God, he's such a freaking right? charmer. Using all of his skills. Oh, it's not man. even fair, really. That is that not is... fair. I mean, looking as dapper as he does and then jumping on the piano, no wonder they fucking gave him his money. Human Gila monster, God bro. damn it, he earned it. While at the flat, <laughs> Hayes stole Archibald Henderson's revolver planning to use it in his next crime. Oh, um, my God. He ends up killing this guy with his own gun that he yeah. stole out of his house. Does hey, he keep it, too? Yeah. He doesn't even care Yeah, to get the rid cops of it. ended up finding that gun. Yeah, he didn't yeah. even get rid of it. Hey, rented a small workshop in Leopold Road in Sussex and moved the acid and storage drums there from Gloucester Road. He was also known to have stayed at Crowley's George Hotel on several occasions. And on February 12, 1948, he drove Henderson to Crowley on the, next, on the pretext of showing him an invention that he had come up with. So this is he. He divided. He decided that he was going to divide the couple because it'd be easier to kill them separate. Obviously, right. especially killing the man first. He's the bigger threat. Right. And he doesn't so, like to get his hands dirty, so he wants everything to go as clean. It's got to be very clean. Yeah. Yeah. So Hay and Henderson arrive to John Hay's shop, where he's going to show uh, Henderson this this new invention he's come up with. Right. They arrive, and as soon as they walk in the room, it's like, I guess, like the scene in. Uh, Goodfellas, where they walk in and immediately, hey, just shoots him right when they walk into the shop. Shot him in the head with a stolen revolver that he had gotten from Henderson's house. Right. He then lured Miss Henderson into the workshop, later claiming that her husband had fallen ill. As soon as she walked in, he shot her as well. 
This is just super dark. You, you, when you think about how this went down, he meets mm. this this McSwan, the yep. son, goes into business with him. They like each other. He then quits the business, and it could have ended there. Right. He goes off, does fraud, goes to prison, gets out, runs into McSwan at the bar, and that ends up that that event. Him running into him at the bar ends in the younger McSwan being killed and his yep. parents being killed and everything they've ever owned being taken. It's just from wrong this guy. place, wrong time, man. It's crazy. Wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Because it's not, I mean, it's not like he would have been easy to look him up and he probably wouldn't have. He probably had already written them off. But the fact that he ran yeah. into him, he was like, damn, this is a golden opportunity. Yeah, he, he probably fate. looked at it as fate. Like, I'm yeah. supposed to kill him. And, right. And I, I think, still don't have a mark on my face. I must still be doing good. Yeah. And what he, if his dad he, fucked he, him up with that. Initially, didn't even intend in killing McSwan's parents, but yeah. it was kind of McSwan's trust in this guy to keep bringing him back to see his parents that opened that door. Mm hmm. As McSwans do, they start bragging about their finances. <laughs> right. <laughs> he should have known. That's absolutely right. Um, once he had dispatched of the Hendersons, Hay returned to the hotel and paid their bill to make it look like they had checked out and left. He made sure to also go up to the room and empty it out. He ended up selling the pro uh, the values, valuables for profit. After disposing of the Hendersons' bodies and oil drums filled with acid, he forged a letter from them and sold all of their remaining possessions, except the dog and their car, which he kept. He loves dogs. So he's driving around in their car with their dog. That's truly taking their life away. You know what? That must have been a damn well-behaved dog if he took it because I just don't see – I know he loves animals and everything, but with all the ruthless killing he's done, you really think he cares really about I'd like dogs? to think that if my dog saw me get murdered, mm -hmm. she would be like, fuck you, bro, and like run away. She wouldn't become that dog, that new murderer's owner. Or a pet. Yeah, you know, like I, I would hope that my dog would attack the person. Well, yeah, I can't expect that from her. Right. Well, Roe though, your dog might. Yeah, that's your big I, German I, Shepherd. I really would hope. I'd he like would to do think that. he would, or else yeah. what else is he good for? He's very good at determining your <laughs> in, your he's intent. Good dog. He's yeah. very good in in yeah. It's like when people come over who are friends, like he's never aggressive ever. Like he realizes it. But if somebody like walks by the thing, and I'm like, man, who's that? It's like he can sense it. And he's yeah. like, oh yeah, who's that? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll just bark at him. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, so after uh, murdering the Hendersons, uh, Hay also sent letters to Rose's brother to make him think that the couple was still alive. This is something he commonly did. He would send, he would basically become their power of attorney, these victims, mm. so that he could take all their shit. He's writing letters to authority figures um, as them saying, look, we moved away to this place or right. whatever. Yeah, he's very good at forging shit. Was he though? He Man, was. It just doesn't but seem then like again, a good it was at easier. All. It was probably easier time to do it yeah. you know, in the 40s. I guess they get so. a letter. They're just going to assume it's from the person that says it is. Yeah, I guess so. Frank Abagnale would have like took their signature off of something and like yeah, he would have took the scanned it in the McSwan family crest wax and stamp and made that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would have went, went way better than this guy. Yeah. Uh, writing as Rose, he claimed that Doctor Henderson had performed an abortion for someone, which was illegal at the time, and had to flee the area. Rose then told her brother they were fleeing to South South Africa. So, so, I guess... Yeah, rose in quotes. Yeah. When Hay dumped the barrels containing the remains of, Henders of the Hendersons, the acid hadn't quite worked as well, and one of Rose's feet was still intact. He was like, eh, whatever, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a foot day, you know. Oh, I'm going to dump it over there. Are you going to make a big deal in of a foot? In the corner of the garden anyways. Ain't foot, nobody going to see it. Foot's never going to talk in court, is it? <laughs> Nevertheless, he felt untouchable and proceeded to dump them in the corner of the yard next to his shop. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm right saying. Right next to the shop. The brashness. 
He literally kills them in the shop and then just dumps them right out. You know what yard. happened? He probably if the cops show up. They have to basically walk past the, slu- Dude, the, you know, the body sludge. You know what probably happened was he was carrying it out and it, as it was sloshing around, some of it probably got on one of his shoes and he was like, "Fuck this!" and he just kicked the damn thing over. I could see that. I, that I could totally see him see doing that, that with him. Yeah, and it's, he's wearing like I don't know, like gator skin shoes or something, something like really fancy. Yeah. On my shoes, mate. <laughs> Fucking just <laughs> blames them somehow and then kicks the barrel over. Motherfucker, <laughs> right. well, fuck, I'm fucking on my life even in your afterlife. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> By February of 1949, Hayes' funds were once again running low. Burned through the Hendersons' money already. Yeah. Of and, course. And this last victim, number six, would be the one that where he really, it, it just met, he met his match. He picked the yeah. wrong person. He thought it was a perfect plan, but she was too well liked in her community. Hayes' next and last victim was Olive Durand Deacon, age 69, who was a wealthy widow of solicitor John Durand Deacon. Now, we say solicitor, but I guess that was a, a lawyer at the time, right? Yeah. So we keep saying that, but it sounds like a bad thing, but... He know. was basically just... He was a lawyer. ...selling his law services door-to-door, it yeah. seemed like, just whoever he ran into. Yeah, and Olive was a fellow resident at the Onslow Court Hotel, where Hay had been staying. And so she's just another woman at the hotel he's staying at on other people's money. Right. Hay, by then, was calling himself an engineer, and Olive mentioned an idea that she had for artificial fingernails. So this lady might have been the first press-on-nail person Damn. if he hadn't have killed her. That motherfucker. She had, that's a brilliant... I mean, I don't know if Dude, it had been invented what? now, but it's this story you would be led to believe that, that press-on-nails had not been this invented yet. This was 1949. The wrong okay. person got credit for press-on-nails because of, of John Hay. He killed That's the, the original. Here. Yeah. I'm looking it up right here. We're pulling that up, Jamie. Pull it up, young Jamie. All right. 1970s. Acrylic no nails, way. also known as press on nails or fake nails, were first invented in the 1970s. No way. This is 1949. She was 20 years wow. ahead. Wow. And he killed her. Wow. Just think of all the money he could have made had he just <laughs> gone with her. He should have just Instead invested. Instead of killing her, he could have invested in press-on nails in 1949. Oh, dude. This he, fucking idiot. He should have killed someone else rich, took that money, invested, and then he'd never have to kill again. He didn't even need to. He just needed to be partial stockholder in fucking acrylic That's nails. That's true. He could afford a small piece. Right. Or probably a large or just piece. just being, being her friend, she yeah. would have given him like just helping her because he's Damn got the it. workshop, so he's going to get a certain percentage. Yeah. If he got 2% of press on nails for the rest of his life, <laughs> he'd be a ballin'. Let's just say that. He'd have castles in England. Exactly. He would be able to have all the Dapper Dan hair gel he wants. Dude. Damn. He messed up. All the beautiful stars of the 50s didn't have press on nails. We've been saying this since the beginning of the episode. He was not money smart. He was not money smart. Yeah. He was good at posing as as an intellectual, as an accountant, as an investor or whatever, but he was not one. He was not one. Yeah. Well, as it stood, he invited her down to his Leopold Road workshop on February 18th, 1949, on the guise of showing her some materials that he had that could help her with her press on nail business that was coming to be. And once inside... It's duct tape. (laughs) (laughs) and we go full circle duct tape press on nails it would stick (laughs) but you're only getting gray or red that's the only two color options I think when it hits the market it's really going to stick (laughs) oh god Um, yeah so on a serious note once they got back to the Leopold Road workshop on February 18th 1949 walked inside he immediately shot her in the back of the neck with a 38 caliber (laughs) revolver the one that he had stolen from Archibald Henderson and used against him as well he then stripped her out of her valuables, including a Persian lamb coat, and put her into the acid bath. Two days later, 
Uh, Duran Deacon's friend Constance Lane reported her missing. So she was well-liked at this hotel. This is where she lived. She had a lot of money from uh, being a widow, from a wealthy man. And she lived at this hotel, and everybody there liked her. And so when she goes up missing, these are also like older. I I feel like she had some older women friends at the hotel. And like they didn't have a whole lot better to do. They see this young guy come and like hanging around her and he leaves with her and all of a sudden she doesn't come back. Right. And this lady... They're not stupid. She's yeah. not... Yeah, she didn't like him from the get-go. She got a weird vibe from him. Yeah. Um, Hay managed to catch the attention of the police investigating the disappearance twice. First, he offered to drive Constance Lane to the police station to report all of missing. So he's the guy delivering the main witness to the police station and she Perfect. doesn't like him, but he's trying to do this to make himself look innocent. He's like, I'll drive you to the police station. I don't know where she is either. She was supposed to meet with me. Right. She didn't show up. <laughs> right. I don't know what happened to her. Exactly. I'll drive you down there. Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be as helpful as you can be? Yeah. And while well, we know criminals at times are known to interject themselves into investigations mm-hmm. as a means of trying to make themselves look innocent, but the police know better. <clears throat> Jody Arias. <clears throat> right. <laughs> She's a perfect example. That is a good example. I mean, she interjected herself every chance she could. Yep. It's, it's, it's time and time again they do that. They'll just be like, hey, what's going on over here? Yeah. <laughs> just you guys to found some going. bodies? Or? Found any killers yet? Nope. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good to know. <laughs> kinda, I'm innocent for now. What kind of... <laughs> what kind of... Uh, kind of evidence you got there? <laughs> <laughs> I heard what, that guy's a that, real asshole is that killing people. in the bag? What is that? What do you got there? <laughs> <laughs> I brought you guys some donuts. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> just like you like them. Right. <laughs> the maple bacon ones. <laughs> um... Then when the other residents of the Onslow Court began to speculate about what happened to Olive, John took them to John told them that the two had made an appointment to meet, but Olive, Olive had never shown up, as I had mentioned. Because he was known to the police, putting himself and his face on the radar twice turned out to be his, danfall, his downfall. The detectives looking into Olive's disappearance contacted Scotland Yard to find out more about John. While the investigation was rapidly, rapidly progressing, John was busy emptying out the drum that he had put Olive in. He dumped it into the yard just like he had done with the other ones, with the Hendersons. Mm-hmm. And so he's not even learning from like that. Not that he had gotten caught from that, but he's just like, – now he's actually felt a little bit of uh, police pressure. Like he's had to be yeah, investig- – he's had to be think, questioned right. by police on a woman he killed's disappearance. Mm-hmm. Still brash enough to just dump her body in the yard. Dude, I think that actually helped him become more brash. I think that actually encouraged him because once he had that encounter, he's like, well, I'm not under arrest. I was literally in there. If they wanted to arrest me, they would have arrested me. Yeah. So I guess I'm untouchable. Well, I think there's a real reason for this confidence that he had that he wouldn't be caught. And that's, he was under the wrong impression that if he was able to dissolve these bodies and completely do away with them, he could never be convicted. Oh, right. Nobody, no murder. Because while in prison, he had studied some law stuff, and he had misunderstood the meaning of the term corpus delicity. Delicity. Mm-hmm. I, I think you did, too. I did, too. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't I, know what it means. Delicity, and mistakenly believed that if the bodies could not be found, a murder conviction could not be possible. So if there, basically, he, the mm-hmm. way he looked at the law uh, under that term was that if there was no body, there's no conviction, period. If he could right. just dissolve with them, he could even tell the, the police that he had killed her, but there's no body, so they can't convict him. He was, But that's not... He thought that he was under the impression that there would have to be a physical body that they could look at, but yeah. really there could... As long as they could... There seems to be evidence that the body was there. Yes, right? or that there has to be enough other evidence. A part of the body would work, you know, like a foot. Mm-hmm. Or if they could prove that she'd been killed. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's other ways. I mean, a foot sitting beside his workshop, dude, like that's, 
You know what I mean? That's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, well yeah. Foot's good enough. Like, we don't need the whole have, body. You didn't have any more sulfuric acid. You couldn't just throw the foot into another one. He just got cocky, dude. Just didn't want to touch it. Thank God for, it, for serial real. killers' cockiness. Yeah, because so. otherwise they almost would never get caught. Hmm. Yeah, so he dumps what's left of her body in the yard, and we'll find out more about that uh, pile of sludge later because there was quite a few pieces of evidence in there. Even though he right. thought it was all dissolved, there's still a part of a foot and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does that, and then he also travels to a nearby town to have her jewelry appraised. When he returned to Onslow Court, the police were waiting for him. They questioned Hay on two separate occasions and eventually decided to search his workshop. Um, at the workshop, police found a dry cleaner's receipt for Mrs. Duran Deacon's coat and papers referring to the Hendersons and McSwan. So now he's connected to other Yikes. missing persons. Yeah, that's that's too much of a coincidence. But like you said, he got cocky. He didn't think anybody was coming by. Yeah. And he also doesn't think it matters still. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just pure uh, overconfidence. And ignorance. Really. And ignorance, yeah. Police found a few bloodstains on the walls and a hat pin at the bottom of one of the drums. They then investigated the yard. Investigation of the area by a pathologist revealed 28 pounds of human body fat, part of a human foot, three human gallstones, 18 pieces of bone, a lipstick container, and an upper and lower denture, which were later identified by Mr. or by Mrs. Uh, Duran's Deacon's dentist. So they went to her dentist and wow. and he confirmed they were her dentures. Dude, this that, is, that I mean, lipstick but, container, though, that shit must have been incredibly made. But I feel like most people's yards have this stuff, right? Part of a foot and yeah. seven and what twenty eight pounds of human body fat. A few gallstones. I mean, right. I mean, if you really looked around out there and dug around any, for a minute, yeah. If a yard has any history to yeah. it at all, go out back in your gardens and look around. Right. It's nothing they to say see UK? here, really. I mean, it's, right. I feel like the police are barking up the wrong tree. They really are. <laughs> no. What is, <laughs> what is a gallstone again? Do, do, do it's like it's in. It can get in like your. Does everyone have them or just some people? Um, I feel like it's, it's not, not everybody common, has right? them. No, but like, but you can live with them. You can pass them. Yeah. But some people have to get them removed, and then some people get their gallbladder removed and just get rid of that part, anyways. But there's like bile in your gallbladder that helps you break down food. Okay. And like, if once some of it gets gunked up in there, like fats, like heavy fats, and then they cause little stones. I just find it weird that there's parts of our body that we don't need. We're like, ah, we can throw that out. Like appendix. Yeah. Well, it holds your tonsils, things up. your appendix. I think it holds like, things eh, up. Maybe. We can do without this. <laughs> we could throw this out. <laughs> that does seem weird, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's but like a car. It, you're just ripping parts out and throwing over your shoulder. But we like, do the same thing this. with dogs. We're like, ah, oh, yeah, it should stand up. Yeah, you don't need this tail. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of cropping the ears and stuff like that. Yeah, just leave the dog. Me legs. either. But I'm just saying, yeah. I mean, if we do it to ourselves, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Well, we do circumcise as well. Exactly. Yeah, your dick don't look right. <laughs> that ain't right. You don't I don't like that looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about tangents. All right. <laughs> all right. So when hit with all this evidence and questioning, they've got the gallstones. They've got the eight, 18 pieces of bone, uh, 28 pounds of human fat. 28 pounds it's of hard, body fat? You know dude? what? It's hard to overcome that in a, an interrogation. Yeah. So like 18 pounds of fat. Under 20. Mm-hmm. Like, like maybe you got a shot, right? You could be like, uh, I had You know what, bro? I've been chickens. running a lot. Yeah. I've been eating vegan. <laughs> I'm... Yeah, and the shred, the pounds are just falling off They're just falling off Literally into the yard. And this is where I stand <laughs> yeah. when they fall off. I but mean, 28 pounds Look at that. Fat. I lost part of my foot the other day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's how hard I'm running. That's how hard. I literally ran my foot right off. Right off. <laughs> he didn't think this fast. And when hit with all of this evidence, he ended up confessing. And I think really it, it came down to the... Uh, 
habeas corpus thing or whatever the hell we mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> where he, he was still under the impression that if they, if they mm-hmm. didn't have a body, they had no case. Right. And so um, during questioning, um, Hay asked Detective Inspector, quote, tell me frankly, what are the chances of anybody being released from Broadmoor? Which Broadmoor, we've, I think we've talked about it before, was a high security psychiatric hospital at the time. Right. The inspector said that he could not discuss that sort of thing. And so Hay replied, quote, well, if I told you the truth, would you not believe me? It sounds too fantastic to believe. Yikes, fantastic. Not a good word. You can see the early seedings of him trying to sell the insanity thing. Like, yeah. it's too crazy. You won't even believe me if I told right. you. Which they already knew how crazy it was. They found human sludge in his yard. Yeah. With dentures They're and like, shit. They're like, we're pretty... They know you've been melting bodies. We know you're pretty crazy, bro. You yeah, melt bro. bodies. There's no telling what you're... Yeah, you have some different of. weekend activities. Than right. Just go and you're, play golf. You're peculiar people. Yeah. What we would call... Yeah, I'd say a bit peculiar. Yeah, you're... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that needs to be the name of this episode. John Hay, <laughs> peculiar a peculiar John. fellow. <laughs> <laughs> a peculiar bloke. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hay then went on to confess that he had killed Duran, Duran Deacon, the old woman, uh, the old uh, widow. He also said that he killed the McSwans and the Hendersons, as well as three other people, a young man named Max, a girl from Eastbourne, and a woman named Hammersmith, although the claims about the additional three people could never be substantiated. We believe, as we said earlier okay. in the episode, that they were a part of his insanity plea. Right. He wanted to prove that he could kill people just on a whim because he wanted to kill, not just for financial reasons. Yeah, but the f- I but never, he had no details. He I never knew so what many... he called them. That's what I was about to say. I never yeah. knew how vague these names were. Did you say a boy named Max, really? Yeah. Well, a boy named Max. That's another thing. The police are like, they literally took them two hours to write down the details of uh, the McSwan murders, I believe, or right. one of these cases. That's how many details he had. And then with the other ones, he's like, ah, oh, there was some kid named Max. Yeah, some kid I don't named really Max. remember. Uh, I mean, I killed him and melted Hammer his body, Schmidt. but the details are a little blurry. <laughs> I don't know why he's like a New Yorker else. Right. <laughs> I don't know, uh, Hammerschmidt or some shit like that. I don't know right. what name. <laughs> we were talking the about early it. days. We were talking about before the show, yeah. why do we go back to the Boston accent so much? And I, I think we have it figured out. It's because it's hard to take us seriously when we do that and that's what we're going for we're like yeah, being goofy yeah. a lot of times and it's so clear we're being goofy when we do boston it's just like you can get away with saying much more crazy things if yeah you say being, it in boston accent <laughs> yeah it doesn't sound as bad you're like oh it's just, just obvious we're being sarcastic and silly when we yeah. do boston accent and so people we hope won't take us as seriously when we do it right. i think that's why we keep going back to that old bag it's a little show insight right there yeah i like that man yeah the more you know so after his confession, the detective cautioned John not to continue speaking, but John had a story to tell. First, he gave a detailed confession about Olive, which took him more than two hours to write. Oh, that's the one I was thinking of. So the old woman, Olive. Um, he then moved on to confessions about the McSwans and the Hendersons. He claimed each of the murders was motivated by a lust f- for blood, which the evidence pointed to elsewhere. It, it seemed financially... Yeah. The way he was taking on power of attorney, selling off their property, selling their jewelry at pawn shops, and you know this and that. Um, and there was no evidence of the blood drinking. No, It'd be hard to none. prove after yeah. he uh, put acid on the bodies and dude, whatnot. He but would still. so not get blood on him. No, man. come no, on. No, yeah, yeah. This a guy that, that wears gloves to work on a car. Yeah, he's, he's like, wearing like a hairnet to work on a car. He's not yeah. freaking. <laughs> Wearing like a shower cap. Yeah, he's like <laughs> icky. Like I don't want germs. Yeah, they said he was not sexually motivated. Like this from the police. They yeah. they're learning more about him. They said that he was never even into sex. And they interviewed wow. a bunch of people. That much of a pretty boy. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Like, it, sex is yeah icky. You yeah, know? like I felt like that's how he looked at. It. He's like Howie Mandel. Yeah. He's like won't shake your hand. Right. He's probably a germaphobe to the max. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably. This is conjecture. <laughs> Absolutely. Totally. <laughs> but he definitely didn't like getting dirty. We do no. know that. But we're just 
Maybe take it a little further. Yeah. These shocking, these shocking confessions and the focus on a lust for blood were likely John laying the ground for his insanity defense. However, he truly believed he could not be charged with the murder because there were no bodies. Um, after his arrest, this is a different time, man. They would arrest you and the trial would be like the next week. Like it's not like it is now, where it's like, yeah, three years from now we'll get around to your trial. Well, I don't think we had take as many and then, criminals then because we didn't have as many people. Yeah, and this in, is over in England in the forties, yeah. and they were just like, ah, what this guy do? All right, throw him on the trial. Let's see what happens. <laughs> After his arrest, he remained in custody in a, in cell two of Horsham Police Station on Bartlett Road. The cell door from his incarceration is now preserved in the Horsham Museum. He's that infamous over there. His trial began on July 8th, 1949 at the nearby courthouse. He was charged with murder. He pleaded insanity, claiming that he had drunk the blood of his victims. He confessed to having dreams dominated by blood as a young boy. When he was involved in a car accident on March 4th, or in March of 1944, his dream returned to him. This is a quote that he said, and this is part of his defense about all these dreams and whatnot that he had as a kid. We didn't bring this up during his childhood. You know, when we went through that, just because we don't believe this actually even happened. This is just part of his defense. Right. That's, so this is yeah. a quote during him trying to defend himself for murder. Quote, I saw before me a forest of crucifixes, which gradually turned into trees. At first, there appeared to be dew or rain dripping from the branches. But as I approached, I realized it was blood. The whole forest began to writhe and the trees dark and erect to ooze blood. A man went from each tree catching the blood. When the cup was full, he approached me. Drink, he said, but I was unable to move. That's quite yeah, a... He made that up. That's, yeah, but I mean, that's quite a story to make up. It's, Is it, it's good, it, it points to a creative mind that he came up with this dream, supposedly from when he was a kid. Yeah, but, but there's a lot about blood in the Christian religion. There's a lot. And yeah. then the crucifixes, the This almost could have been a passage out of the Bible that no one caught yeah. on to. They're like, wait a second. Wait, it's, uh, it's like a burning bush type yeah. of thing. <laughs> I heard that one before. Right. <laughs> the prosecuting attorney general, Sir Hartley Shawcross, urged the jury to reject Hayes' defense of insanity because he took a great deal of care planning his crimes. True. If there's that much premeditation, mm-hmm. it just seems like the, tr- the true criminals who were criminally insane... Like Herbert Mullen. That one's one I fully buy into where it was like he's on all these hallucinogenic drugs. Yeah. His brain was fried. He's doing acid every day and all this stuff. Right. And he's just lashing out at people in public. Like remember the guy, that the priest that was he was confessing to and then he just like yep. kills the guy right there. That's uncontrollable yeah. murder right there. That's like true he insanity. Just lashed out. That's insanity. Insanity. He's insane. Yeah. Absolutely. Whereas this guy, this shit is so premeditated. And then after the murder, he's doing all these steps to get rid of the body and he's taking all of their funds and writing to family members. Writing to family members. There's just no way you can defend these actions. Absolutely not. Um, Hayes' lawyer called many witnesses to attest to Hayes' mental state, including Dr. Henry Yellowies, who claimed that Hay had a paranoid constitution, adding, quote, the absolute callous, cheerful, bland, and almost friendly indifference of the accused to the crimes which he freely admits having committed is unique in my experience. But that was calculated, in my opinion. You know what I mean? He was trying to... Um, once he realized he's that... He's hired by the defense, first off. Yeah, but what the lawyer's saying... I mean, I mean, what this... Uh, what would you call it? A criminal... Ther- he's like a therapist. Yeah, like a professional... Um, Psychiatrist. Yeah. Uh, this guy's for the defense. Yeah. and But what he's saying makes sense if it wasn't calculated on the part of John Hayes. 
I feel like once he realized that they had him on physical evidence, they had mm-hmm. the foot and the gallstones and all that. Right. He then something triggered, and he's like, "Okay, now it's insanity time." And well, he goes, "I did all this stuff, and I killed three more people." And yeah. he, that's when he turned in the interrogation and just went like, "Okay, fuck it, you got me. Now let's try a new tactic." Right. And that's what this guy is saying. It is different in his experience, but I think he's neglecting to say the fact that this is a calculated move. I think he's just commenting. Yeah, but I think this psychiatrist is only commenting on his lack of remorse. You can't get you can't get uh, an insanity plea by saying lack of remorse. I think this was a perfect way because this. I think this lawyer thought he was guilty and an mm-hmm. evil person. This yeah. therapist, but yeah. he was also hired by the defense. Yeah. This is like the this this therapist is pretty damn brilliant. Yeah. Because it is weird, he, and I, and he just says it's unique in my experience. He doesn't even say good or bad, right? But I think he's commenting. He didn't say it's unique, and it proves that this man is insane, right? He's he, saying and it's he's, unique, and he's only commenting on the fact that he doesn't care that he murdered the people. But there's lots of murderers like what that. I was trying to come up with earlier. I guess you would say this guy's an expert witness, right, for the defense. Yeah, and his expertise is in psychiatric evaluation, right? Looking at a guy. And so, yeah, he's he's saying that this is this is unique, but it doesn't necessarily prove that he's in, he was um, incapable of yeah insane yeah. and incapable of stopping himself from committing these crimes exactly. and un, and not realizing what he was doing. He right. was fully aware of what he was doing. It became apparent during the trial that Hay had been using the acid to destroy the victims' bodies because he was misunderstood because he misunderstood the meaning of the legal term corpus de, delecti. Delicti. Delicti, maybe? Delicti, or delicti. Delicti. And believed that if there were no bodies, no murder convention would be possible. Corpus delicti means body of the crime in Latin. The term refers to the fact that it must be proven that a crime was committed before anyone can be charged with it. Hay thought that it literally referred to a human body. Don't. 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 Moment. During the trial, John focused most of his attention on a crossword puzzle and did not attempt to speak for himself. At the end of the trial, which only lasted for two days, the jury deliberated for a mere 17 minutes before returning to find Hay guilty. Justice Travers Humphreys then sentenced him to death. 17 was- minutes? <laughs> You're right. They did not fuck around back then, dude. No. They're like, All right, what'd you do? Put him on trial. All right, we'll be back to talk about it. All that right, be, we're back to talk about it. He's guilty. That being said, I think if me and you were there, it would have taken even less than 17 minutes from what it sounds. The way yeah. the trial sounds like it went, yeah. it, only, it wasn't a matter of whether he had done these crimes. It was a matter of whether he was insane. And it was clear yeah, right. that he pretty meditated, premeditated these murders right. and also tried to cover them up after. And it was uh, reported that Hay, in the condemned cell at Wandsworth Prison, asked one of his prison guards, Jack Morwood, whether it would be possible to have a trial run of his hanging so everything would run smoothly. So he's a little worried. Apparently, he didn't realize... Just want to make sure you get the rope length right, mate. It's very important. <laughs> but the problem is he didn't realize the uh, the experience of mm-hmm. our hangman right. from our hangman trilogy. Yeah, he didn't... This guy... Albert Pierpoint. Pierpoint was probably like, get out of my face, bro. Right. You know how many people have hung? You know how many people my dad has hung? Okay. Bro, I've this been, is what we do. Literally, right. our family crest is not a swan. It's I can a fucking look at noose, you okay? and cut the right length of rope. Right, <laughs> just kind of <laughs> size them up. Just size them up. Stand against that wall over there. Yeah, you know, when Pierpoint like probably ended up having to talk to these people beforehand, like I'm going to be executioner that time. He's literally yeah. just sizing them up, like, okay, wait, he looks like he was at one seventy two. Get a heavier belt. Five rope foot here. nine. All right, we got. Yeah, I know a gauge rope to go with. Yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> 
That's pretty sick. <laughs> the whole time he's supposed to be like he's looking at you, talking to you, but you can tell he's sizing up your body because he's just looking at you like a piece of meat. Dude, I don't think so. I think he's probably like he was probably compassionate, right? Well, no, I Fair don't think point. he. I don't think he has any interaction. I wouldn't want any interaction with the person that I'm about to have to hang. I would just be like, hey, just give me a freaking sheet with his with his uh, measurements. <laughs> like, how tall is he? How much does he weigh? Okay, cool, thanks. Right. How, I mean, how far is it from the top of his neck uh, to his feet? By the way, this is a picture of Albert Pierpoint, famous hangman. He looks like a jolly fellow. He does, doesn't he? he? Look at him. He looks happy. He looks like he's having a good time. He's living his best life out there. Yeah. He's getting a pension from hanging people. All right. It is. Yeah. Let's wrap this thing up. It's likely that his request went no further, or if it did, the request was denied. Like we said, we got a professional here. We don't need to worry about you questioning whether you'll die. You'll die. Don't worry. It'll be quick. It'll be over. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just prior to his execution, Hay was asked if he wanted a brandy. He replied, make it a large one, old boy. (laughs) (laughs) I always love those last quotes right before they get executed. Hay was led to the gallows and hanged by executioner Albert Pierrepoint on August 10th, 1949. And that is part two of our Hangman trilogy. Thank you, Chris Sharp, for the suggestion. Hell yeah. We're having fun with these uh, UK guys. Yeah, we are. are, These are some interesting cases. We got another interesting one to finish out the trilogy. Ooh, and at a certain point, we'll package these up. Maybe we'll like, what, sell them in a DVD art. set. What, yeah. do, what do you want to do here? Yeah. <laughs> like, what was it? Wow. Wow. 25 or whatever. Yeah, the commercials what? for the fucking That'll CDs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll save up, a, you know, save up a couple months. Patreon and we'll buy a commercial. We'll do our own infomercial. Order the four parts freeway serial killer series. Right. And but wait, there's more. <laughs> you get the hangman trilogy if you order within the next 10 minutes. <laughs> and then there's. Six empty discs in the package to simulate the space between the releases. Right. <laughs> you just put them in and it's like not available yet. <laughs> right. You got to wait for this shit. It's yeah. going to be good though. Right. It's going to be good. <laughs> and Patrick Kearney. Right. <laughs> Trash bag killer. Right. All right, guys. That uh, wraps up this week's free episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, we yeah. want to thank everybody that's gone and rated and reviewed on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is you can go and rate and review us. But yeah, right. pretty trippy, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, to see that we hit 1,000 iTunes reviews. Yeah, that's good for us, man. Never thought it would happen. That's good for people who don't promote very well. Yeah, it's not <laughs> bad, right? It must bad. say something about the product. <laughs> it must be somewhat mediocre. The word on the streets. <laughs> True crime, guys. It's kind of it's kind of cool being... Um, you know, kind of being like an indie podcast, though. It is. It's very cool. It's kind of cool not trying that hard, right? Yeah. It's just because fi- you find genuine people that want to listen, I, I hate I feeling needy. Like, hey, go listen to my podcast, guys. Yeah, it's like, tough. I want it to be good enough that people just go talk about it. And that's yeah. what's going on. So we have to thank you guys because you're uh, hitting the streets and right. telling your friends and family and your coworkers and everything Absolutely. about our show. And we see it, man. We see it on social media and whatnot. There's still new people finding us all the time. And it's spreading organically. And it's a beautiful thing. We don't it have is. To, we don't have to pay to advertise our show on other shows or you know do that we don't pay for instagram to put our post above others and right, all that stuff right. and those algorithms are easily hackable i've come to find out like there's so many apps that will do shit for you on instagram it's unreal but people always get caught though it always or you end up following like a million people mm-hmm. it's like it i don't know i just i've just never had any intent intentions on doing anything like that no We'll just let that product speak for itself. We just do the podcast. We put our love and fun into it. And, you know, it's being That's received it is, well. Man. So it is what We just it is. come at you organic, like Oh My Gaia. Yes. Like our sponsor. Oh My Gaia, an all-natural deodorant and beard oil company. Specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. You almost got it, dude. 
Good job. I was getting there, Michael. You jumped oh. me. Oh, You're just so sorry. excited about, oh my guy. I know I how am. it goes. Do you know the next line? Their line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness? I did know that line. You but did? you said it again for me, so oh, I don't have to. Shit. Do you know at Oh My Guy they use only all natural paraben and aluminum free organic ingredients? Wouldn't put any, anything else in my pits, Michael. <laughs> Thank <you>. Exactly. <laughs> and there's so many scents. There's vanilla, there's cherry almond, there's sandalwood, there's lavender, there's lemongrass, so there's no excuses to be wearing speed stick anymore. Get that shit out your pits. There Put is some no good excuse. smelling stuff in there. And because you are a True Crime Guys listener, you can get 15% off your order with the keyword creeper, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, for 15% off. And that's at shop underscore oh my Gaia on Instagram or ohmygaia.com, O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. And we also have another sponsor this week. I am pleased to announce we are working with Mojave High Creations. That is a um, unique, one-of-a-kind clothing company um, on Etsy. You can go to etsy.com slash shop slash Mojave High Creations. M-O-J-A-V-E-H-I-G-H-C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S. Jesus Mojave, like the desert, Mojave High Creations. And also at Mojave High Creations on Instagram. You can check her work out there. She makes custom um, tops and bottoms and hats out of crochet. And they're pretty dope, if I say so myself. I'm, I'm, a, little bit, um, I'm a little bit partial to this company because I am sleeping with the owner. It is my wife. <laughs> so again, Mojave High Creations, at Mojave High Creations on Instagram. Go check her out. Give her a like. Ladies, it's, if you want to wear something like unique for the summer, something organic, something made by someone who actually cares what it looks like, Check it out. All right, man, you want to get to some reviews? Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, as we keep mentioning, over 1,000 on iTunes now. It's a big landmark. That's awesome. And so I want to thank some of the people that helped us get there. Nick's 34 said that our show is really easy to listen to, enjoy the natural feel. So it feels like ah, it's... Uh, feels natural for me too, Nick. Like they're hanging out with a couple of friends. Right. Um, I want to thank I Killed Samson, said that we're funny. Um, thank you. Thank you. I want to say Crime Obsessed. Thank you for the five star review. Said mm-hmm. one of my one of my favorites. Uh, Kate, DMD, DMS, Jade. Uh, these get crazy. Okay, right. But thank you, Kate. Thanks, uh, Kate. Said amazing five stars. Found us about a week ago. Been listening nonstop ever since. One of those cool. binges. One of them dirty oh, binges over the there. Binges. <laughs> That's easy to say in British, right? Binge. Binge. Look at you binge over there. Binge. <laughs> You've been binging every. You've been binging. Mm. You dirty binge. Mm. Uh, I want to thank Ashworth Nicole. For the five-star review, I'm very impressed. My library is filled with true crime podcasts, and this is by far one of my favorites. Oh, come on. Come on, man. Come on. Romantic Fashion, thank you for the great five-star review. And you spelt podcast wrong, just so you know, in the title. That's okay. Postcast. Nailed it. That's a better thing. (laughs) We should start coming out with podcast. Crime Creeper 1976 said we're amazeballs. Thank you. Uh, Riley Nana. Said we're awesome. Five stars. Thank you. MBB165, a new fave. Five stars. Thank you. Cool. Said just the right amount of info combined with opinion and humor. Appreciate that. The third 90, five star, tasteful and easy to listen to. Thank you. Oh, wow. 
This person, Nikki T27, gave us a three-star review just because we haven't done Ted Bundy, but we have. But we have done Ted. You revoke that three-star review better, right now. You better give us a five-star. You better come hat in hand. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when they hold his ransom. Like, I'm keeping this one star on here right. until you do what I want. Damn it. <laughs> like, nah. Like, what? <laughs> uh, AM Hobbs, five-star, great true crime. Thank you for the review. Uh, USCG3612. Five stars, fun and factual. Thank you. Oh. Uh, LRE88, five stars. The Panzeram, the Carl Panzeram episode, legit, had me crying, laughing. I just started listening to them, but they were uh, funny. Thank you. Me too. For that. We have a lot of fun with that episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure you had me crying, laughing in that damn episode. <laughs> A7744, thank you for the five star review and compared us to the last podcast. That's, we can't that's even take praise. that. That's high Yeah, we can't even take that. So there was so much better. Get out of here. It's ridiculous. Get out. But we also enjoy their show, so. Hey, we have some common ground there. Uh, Mom5132 said she's a a podcast creeper. I feel I am almost a professional pod listener. Just found you guys recently, and I'm binging every chance I get. Unfortunately, you don't get paid to be a podcast listener. No, but you sound like a pro to me. Yeah, I agree. Definitely stamp of approval. You're a pro. A. Abrams. Weird sense of humor. Five-star review. These guys can be goofy and definitely have a weird (laughs) sense of humor. This episode proves you are 100% right. Guilty. (laughs) This episode alone will prove that. Absolutely. Uh, D... Deve-tastic. Uh, I don't even know how I got here, but gave us a five-star review, so I appreciate oh, wow. that. Welcome. Scooper811 said BS as the title, but still gave us a five-star review. I'll take it. Quote, I, it like, your bullshit, po- I like your podcast for all the crime, true crime info and this, your storytelling. On the Dahmer episode, you did notice, did notice you said he claimed to have said killers shouldn't be put the blame on the parents, but and blame we ended up blaming his father anyway. So? That's conjecture, man. We can blame whoever we want. Yeah, we can say whatever we <laughs> yeah, want, man. We got our own podcast. There's America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, KPS 9896 said, a must listen. Love these guys. Great podcast. Entertaining. Thank you. Uh, M. Mick. M-I-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-K-
Yes. Uh, June 7th. I'll be recording another new one tonight. And it will be available on like the 8th. I think I'm going to have my wife on. It's going to be some good shit. Hell we got yeah. a lot of stuff planned. We just My parents were just in town. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Oh, yeah. Should be fun. Right on. So, yeah, stay, look forward to that. Two bucks a month gets you into the party. Mm-hmm. You can always pledge more if you want. If you want the primo gold <laughs> true crime guys creeper van sticker right that very a small very amount of people in the world half i would say but like point oh 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 one percent of the world have maybe this less. gold sticker maybe less so you'd be a part of an el- very elite group you'd be like yeah. the one percenters and have this gold true crime guys creeper van sticker right. put it on your motorcycle vest put it on your motorcycle put it on your dog put it yeah. on your car right put it on your significant other while they sleep don't really care put it on your dick we don't care <laughs> we don't care just look at it <laughs> yeah it's gold it's awesome five bucks a month there you go gets you that and then you can always go back down to two bucks after you get the sticker if you want right right you only have to pledge five bucks once you get the sticker so that's what's cool about it absolutely um, and 10 bucks gets you the ability to talk to us. And that perk's yeah. not going to stay around much longer because it's a pain in the ass to try and <laughs> set up conversations with you guys. We're not going to lie. Between our busy schedule and your yeah. busy schedule, trying to get together to talk with you guys, it's hard. You know so what? You this know what, is though? a perk that's going away soon, so take advantage. And you know what, though? We would like to know what other perk could take its place, right? Suggestions? Yeah, 10 bucks nice. a month. What do you guys want that what do you you'd be willing what's to pledge 10 bucks a yeah. month for? Do you want like our dirty underwear or something? Yeah, right. What's it, what's it <laughs> worth? Oh, you wear underwear? Yeah, man. Oh. Okay. Okay. Michael's free balling, okay. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, send no, you a bag of pubes. I don't know. Let's tell you. <laughs> what do you want from us? No, seriously. We'll, we'll take suggestions. Hit us up on uh, what Facebook, uh, True Crime Guys, uh, Instagram at True Crime Guys, and yeah. Twitter. You guessed it at True Crime Guys. Yeah. Hit I mean, us up at any of those and give us your offer suggestions. Up, uh, eBay. Right. How many people do this? How many people put out? Uh, like, what do you want? At ten dollars a month. What? What's? What is it? What do we have to do? Right. I'll freaking juggle on a unicycle if I have to. <laughs> and I will just juggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Are you done? Yeah, I guess so, rambling? man. I guess. All right. All right. We got shit to do. Let's end it awkwardly. All right. I guess I'll see you next week if you want. Uh, guys, if you want to tune in next week for another freebie, are we going to do the hangman We're going to be series? like friend zoning ourselves. Like, I guess we can. Nah. I mean, do you want to go somewhere? I mean, you, do you what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Women love that. What do you want to do? What do you want to? Do you want to go see a movie? I mean, it's totally cool I mean, if we don't go see a movie. Yeah, it's totally cool if we don't hang out at all. I mean, I'm cool to hang I mean, out. I'm cool with anything. I just want to make sure all the options are on the table. Yeah, I, mean, I want to do what you want to do. That's right. what's and important. And I'm not going to add any more inflection to the thing that I do want to do secretly, and yeah. then hope that you pick up. Just on so it. you know, if you do decide to spend the rest of your life, this is going to be every day. Yeah, we're going to wake up and we're not going to know what we're going to do because I'm asking you what you want to do because everything is important. Right. So you might as well learn to plan. Yeah. All right, guys. See you next week. See you next week, guys. We'll plan on it. Peace. Keep creeping. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming.